three on one. Spagley the step. Spagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hale alone at the top of the Kings record book. Oh, I like this. The Fox scores five in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here, as we always do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing good, man. I am feeling extra fat this week because, uh, if you'll allow the plug, I've been recording uh, the Snackramento podcast. Uh, you can find that in your podcast player, but been eating a ton of food local to Sacramento, and this week it was ice cream. Uh, kind of went ham on that. I saw some of these pictures, and I gotta say, I, I need to hit up these spots. What is your like ice cream preference, or are you even an ice cream guy? I am an ice ice cream guy, but I'm very I'm very basic. I'm very vanilla. Like a vanilla bean is is my shit with ice cream. That's pretty basic, man. I don't it's know. It's very basic. Like I you know I like like a caramel and stuff. If you're talking add-ons, but I'm not, like, I can't do chocolate, really. Too much chocolate. A little, well, if, if again, if it's as an add-on, it's fine. But, like, a, you know, full chocolate ice cream is just too much for me. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just got out of, like, a two-hour-long conversation about vanilla ice cream, basically, which is so stupid to say. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and that's, that was the position of, of Will, uh, Will Griffith over at, the King's Herald, and he's he's a big time vanilla guy. Yeah, so I'm seeing yeah his vanilla with magic shell, brownie chunks, peanuts, and Reese's. It's not bad. It's not bad. I, I will say mint chip. You're going with mint chip and Rocky Road. Those are two great ice creams. Oh, thank you, man. I feel really bad. They I feel like, like a I, weird combo, but they are good. I feel really bad because I messed that up so bad. I I we do a draft every time, and I've done pretty well on every one of them. I really messed this up, man, and I, I feel bad about it. Yeah, I don't know. I, you, you sound like how I feel about some of these takes I throw out on this pod. <laughs> I just uh, I just retweeted the uh, the draft uh, votes for Sacramento, so when people are hearing this, definitely go check it out. Yeah, please feel bad for me. Please vote for my Sunday. Yeah, there we go. You know what? Just for that, I'll vote for one. Oh, yeah, it's not looking good for you right now. But, it's uh, really not. <laughs> but, yeah, you know. Anyways, uh on this episode, do you you know you have a snazzy transition or any of these guys ice cream related somehow? Oh boy, I mean, <laughs> nope. <laughs> really well, I will it. say I'll say this: both of these guys, especially Sadiq Bay, I feel like his game, offensively at least, is is pretty vanilla. Honestly, both of them mm-hmm. are pretty vanilla. Like they got that solid, they got the shot. And that's kind of like the sugar in the ice cream. But outside of that, not a ton of like frills or, or toppings mixed in here. Right. Yeah, we're definitely talking about two low ceiling guys, I feel like, compared to when you're talking the rest of the draft. And also high floors to go with it. Um, so there definitely is some value in that. But yes, fairly vanilla. They're not flashy in any way either for the most part. Um, we're talking Sadiq Bay and Aaron Neesmith. Do you have one of them that you want to start with? I would like to start with Aaron Neesmith because I feel like I know him a little better. I did write a profile on him for Zach B that's out there. 
Um, so I've watched a lot more of his tape. All right, and uh, the place to start, obviously, is this three-point shot, right? Talking 14 games only this uh, season because he had a foot injury, but throughout those 14 games, 115 three-point attempts on 52% from three, and this is off movement. He, I think you wrote it. I've seen a lot of people write it. He's probably the best peer shooter in the, cl- in the class. I, yeah, I definitely think so. Uh, like, yeah, like you said, 52.2% from three is mind-boggling, but we do probably have to dive in. I think we can't really start the discussion without getting into the small sample size and the injury, which was a stress fracture to his foot. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah, to start with the sample size, I mean – it's still 115 shots. It's small, like, okay, so he's not going to be a 50, 52% three-point shooter, but I think that this guy could be a 40% three-point shooter. Um, the free throw percentage is usually a good indicator, 82.5% there. Um, I, I think that he still did it on really high volume, even though it was over those 14 games. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm still feeling like this is a 40% three-point shooter. Yeah, I think that that's the most likely outcome as well. Uh, does it concern you, though, that as a freshman, he played a lot, uh, you know, didn't start every game for Vanderbilt, but, you know, 29 minutes a game, 32 games, took a good amount of threes, five and a half per game, and only hit 33.7%. Yeah, um, a bit. I think that, you know, there's a good chance that he took a lot more threes this year as well, so there's a good chance that was a focus for him in this offseason, and maybe that percentage just jumped up there as well. Um, I didn't see enough of him his freshman year to really say if I saw a form difference between freshman and sophomore year or anything like that. Um, So there are some concerns, but I think that overall I'm still feeling confident in, like I said, that 40%. Do you worry about the freshman year? I do a little bit, only because it, it's a bigger sample size. He took 175 threes as a freshman. Um, and just the fact that it's it was not a lockdown skill of his to begin with, um, I don't know. I mean, I think that he's going to be a good shooter. The form does look fantastic. Uh, super high release, just really fluid, ground up, quick, really, quick trigger type of dude. Um, and super, super versatile with it, too. Like, off movement, yeah. You know, you know, not like an incredible off dribble guy, but like absolutely can, absolutely can do that. And he was like his three point shot was like the primary focus of this offense, uh, this Vanderbilt offense, which really struggled after his injury. Uh, I believe they were eight and four with him, and then ended up like twelve and twenty or something really bad like that. So um, I, I honestly do have a little bit of concern because. I feel like you can just heat up across 10 games or so. Uh, and not that I have concern where it's going to be a bad shot, but if you're drafting him purely on like, okay, this guy is the best shooter in the draft, which I think is fair to say, I, I do think, I don't know that it's like locked in, locked in. Yeah. And I mean, that's most of really what he is. Like we'll get to the defense a little bit, but if you're talking about the offense, like you said, he's capable off the dribble, but Really, you're running him. He's constantly moving off the ball, and there's pressure that way, and he's forming the defense uh, just by moving constantly because he has this gravity to him, just being seen as a 
elite shooter if that it were to be the case for him uh, in the NBA as well. But, you know, there's not much playmaking you're getting from him or anything. He's just kind of a low-usage catch-and-shoot guy for the most part. So you are you do have to put a lot of stock into his shot. You do. And what's funny is he was a super high-usage catch-and-shoot guy. Um, like that, it's just that's kind of how it played out for Vanderbilt, at least. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that you also there's not yeah you're right there's not a lot of praise to give him. Other areas, I think there is some nice defensive upside, um, and I think it is worthwhile to talk about how well he moves off ball on offense. But mm-hmm. yeah, you do have to hang your hat on on the shooting end. While I'm not thrilled because of the sample size, I, I am comfortable with doing that. Yeah, I mean, it's impressive nonetheless, even with the small sample. And we didn't say his just his basic uh, measurements. 6'6 six, six is what I have with a 6'10 wingspan I've seen and about 215 pounds for Neesmith. Um, and, yeah, I mean, that impressive wingspan, you would think that he's a 2-3 defensively, and obviously Sacramento has a 2 covered. You're really looking for a 3. I think that you could comfortably play him there defensively um, in regards to his size at first year. Yeah, I want to get into this conversation about what's a 2, what's a 3, what's a 4, and I think that this group of dudes, Neesmith and uh, Sadiq Bay, kind of lends itself to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... I just I've been getting frustrated lately, and I know that this is kind of just a draft class thing where a lot of these guys are like five 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 six, and there's not a lot of other guys except for uh, you know guys like Bay that are wings potentially wings up in that six eight area. But I straight up don't get it if if we can't say that Nets missed a three. I just don't get it anymore. Like. His yeah. frame is great, like six 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 with a six ten wingspan, two fifteen. I do not understand how that's not a small forward, especially when this guy is twenty years old. Yeah, I think that you know the argument would be that he's a little on the shorter end, but with that wingspan, I think you're capable of doing it. And yeah, it's just become really wings, right? Where he's not a primary ball handler, he's not a one, and then after that. I mean, really, three to four on some of these teams is just wings, where it's these switchable guys. Um, And, yeah, I mean... Two to four, yeah. Yeah, two to four, sorry. Yeah, yeah, and if you look at, like, a Joe Harris, I mean, Joe Harris will give you a good amount of minutes at three, and that's another 6'6 guy you're talking about. Um, So, yeah, I think that he's definitely capable here. The difference would be that, like, I don't feel great about him switching on to most fours when when we get to Bay with him having two more inches and in a larger wingspan that maybe I'd feel better there. Um, but as a just a three defensively, uh, two slash three, which like you're saying is kind of the same thing, um, I think he totally fits. I don't really – what shooting guards are 6'6 with a 6'10 wingspan? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, and I don't get it. Like, I don't think any shooting guards in the game have that size. And, like, yeah. remember, like, he's going into an NBA environment where he's going to be, you know, doing strength conditioning on a whole different level. Yeah, and it's funny. Most uh, high wingspan guys are bad shooters and obviously complete opposite here for Neesmith. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like that's I think those are the selling points for Neesmith is it's shooting plus size. I've actually seen I think it was the Ringer. Yeah, the Ringer has his first comp as a taller buddy healed. Interesting. Yeah. And I think that sort of if we're going with that comparison a little bit that there's a lot of times that you see Buddy do too much, and I didn't feel like that was the case with Neesmith, that he wasn't forcing things even if he was throwing up a lot of shots. A lot of times he managed to get open for them, and he doesn't have, hmm, I was going to say the playmaking Buddy has, but it's not that Buddy has playmaking, it's that he really tries to do it more often, if that makes sense. I actually think it's a great comparison because if you forced Neesmith uh, into that role, I probably think it would end up the same. Um, yeah. This is a guy that has twice as many turnovers as he has assists. He yeah, is not that's a fair. good advanced passer. Like, I mean, yeah. I think that he could be functional because it just wasn't his game to pass the ball. I mean, he scored 23 points a game in college. You know? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I – that turnover number, that assist to turnover number, is really scary. And, like, that's his biggest red flag as right. long as you're not talking about the injury, which, I mean, those are the two. Those are the two red flags that I would point to. Yeah. And aside from, I, I mean, just catching and shooting coming off screens and you'd like to be able like him to be able to, like, hit a roll man, for the most part you just don't want the ball in his hands that often on offense, right, unless he's kind of catching it and throwing it up. And it's just a lot of off-ball movement. Right. And I think that's, you know, the off-ball movement is kind of where he can separate from guys like Sadiq Bey, who we'll get to, where he doesn't need to just go stand in a, in a corner or stand in a spot and, you know, high on the wing, try to get, try to, try to get open for a three. Like, I think that he can help you on offense by scrambling around screens. And I think that actually works really well for him because he has such intense gravity that he is going to be pulling defenders with him. And I think that that would be a very welcome thing for a team like the Kings. Um, I mean, he's going to give his guys room to work. He's, you know, even if there are some questions about spacing with the Kings, he not only helps for his own, like from for his own position, but he is pulling guys with him. Like, his gravitational right. field is strong. So I think that Fox can find a lot of space in that situation. Yeah, and the Kings need a lot of this spacing. I mean, as much as they have a fair share of good shooters, when you look at Bogey and Belly and uh, Buddy, obviously, they still have a big need for these guys because Fox and Bagley and Holmes, three of the best players on the team, are non-shooters themselves. So it definitely makes a lot of sense offensively with Sacramento. Um, And yeah, like we said with the defense, I mean, he can fit into a three there too. I think that this, this could work out well for Sacramento if he is there, and it seems like there's a good chance that he will be. Like Bassini's mock actually has Neesmith going to the Kings at 12. Yeah, and I get it. Like, I actually, I would be pretty, pretty happy with it. I, we can reserve like the this player or that player to the end of the podcast, but mm-hmm. I think that you'd have to be pretty satisfied to get the best pure shooter in the draft and a guy that definitely has the size to play small forward. And I will argue that to the death because 
Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say every six foot six, six ten wingspan guy is a de facto two. Yeah, it's really that wingspan there for me that that has me convinced. And for floor ceilings for this guy, I mean, I think like I said at the top that he's a really high floor guy because that shooting, um, if you do buy it on that small sample is just translatable, that in itself and moving off ball, catching off movement is instantly going to make him an impact player on the um, on, in the NBA. And the question with his ceiling floor seems to revolve more around the defense for me on, or for the ceiling, it seems to revolve more around the defense in regards to, okay, can he really be a 3 and D guy? Yeah. Um, notable that his defensive numbers are almost identical to Devin Vassell. Which is crazy. It, it's cra- You mean because you think that Vassell's a much better defender? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like Neeson is falling asleep a little more. But he does have the IQ and makes the rotations, you know. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much of that is part of, I don't know, being on a better team, mm-hmm. uh, just where there's a little more up for grabs um, in a broken defense a lot of the times. But, yeah. I definitely – there is significant tape of Neesmith falling asleep, and I – you know, I'm sure it's out there. I never saw tape of, of Vassal like just fully yeah. uh, getting taken advantage of. Well, and if we go to, like, the buddy comp for defense, it's – a lot of times there is moments Buddy's falling asleep, but a good amount of times it seems like he just doesn't – legitimately doesn't know what he should be doing, and I don't think that's the case with Neesmith. That's a good point, and I think that's what separates – them as far as Buddy, I think will always be a negative defender. Where yeah, I could absolutely buy right now that uh, Neesmith is like an average, like that. That's totally fine, like an average solid passable defender. And then the uh, the cell is that plus defender, and that's how it breaks right. down for me. I also wanted to get your like full feeling of the cell versus Neesmith because. They are similar players, similar sizes. Uh, I'll note Neesmith has about 20 pounds on him, which I think is is a is a nice thing. And uh, but you know we're really high on Vassell. Where do you yeah. kind of come down? Is it just that defense, and how much of a hit does that take in his draft stock? It is like to me, I'm taking Vassell because as much as I do value the shooting, and just at the NBA teams are going to value shooting, and it's a needed skill in general. Vassell has that, and he also has borderline game-changing defense for a good str- amount of stretches. And like you said, for Neesmith, I think I'd be happy with him becoming a average defender. Um, so as valuable as he is as a shooter off movement and things like that, I would still take Vassell because of that defense. Um, and I just think Sacramento could use that a little bit more, especially from the wing. Um, so that's where I'm leaning, but... Yeah, it is interestingly close. Like in Bassini's, uh in the mock draft, he usually puts something about the draft range for these guys at the end of their picks, and he says many evaluators across the league have Neesmith as the number two wing in the class, and I'd expect he hears his name called in the top 20. But number two to me, I'm assuming he means after a Coro. Oh, interesting. I wonder if he doesn't classify a Coro as a guard in some ways. I guess he is... Yeah, that classic 2-3 wing. That's interesting to me. I mean, I'm pretty surprised that anyone has him above Vassell because yeah. obviously the defense you mentioned, and then Vassell is 
not a turnover guy. Like he is, maybe he's not a you know a yeah. initiator, but he is not turning the ball over on offense. He makes really well, smart and, decisions, and he creates for himself a little bit off the dribble in a way that Neesmith doesn't. Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, he's got everything Neesmith has, plus a good amount of other stuff. Maybe minus like the movement shooting. It, yeah, it's you're, on the you're same right. level. He's but, not yeah. all the way there with the shot, but it's it's close. Yeah, yeah I see a lot of uh, the guy I mentioned earlier, and Joe Smith uh, potentially in Neesmith, Smith, but that additional wingspan definitely makes a big difference there. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about him. Overall, in terms of the fit, um, I wonder if you could play him next to Buddy Heald, if that wouldn't be too, like, similar. Like, you, I mean, I feel like he fits better next to Bogdanovich. Hmm. Yeah. I think, well, if you imagined a Bagley Fox pick and roll with Buddy and Neesmith both running around while that's happening, I mean, that sounds great to me. It does sound great, but then... You in that scenario, maybe you have Buddy, Neesmith, what Barnes and Bagley, or Barnes and Holmes. Yeah, probably Barnes because no, you don't have a secondary playmaker sort of thing. No secondary playmaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see where you're coming with that. That it might be better to play with Bogey because Neesmith's not a guy that is a tertiary playmaker if if it gets swung to him sort of thing. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24/7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament. You can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, Bet Online has ex-Chicago Bulls Horace Grant. Bill Cartwright and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling After the Dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Do you want to move on to to Bay here? Yeah, uh, Sadiq Bay. Um, not to be confused with, I believe it's Tyler Bay, who's another yes, Colorado, I believe, first round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Sadiq Bay, six eight, two sixteen. I've seen his wingspan listed a little bit differently some places, but between six ten and seven feet is the read that I get on his wingspan. Yeah, I originally wrote six ten, and then I was going through Vasini's. Uh, Mock draft, and yeah, he wrote a seven-foot wingspan, even though in his big board he put not available. Um, so, yeah, I've seen a lot of variants there. Um, and, I mean, I think this is a guy that – it's, again, another 3 and D high-floor guy, but I think you start with the defense here. And the switchability specifically with this 6'8 and 7'10, the way that he was able to guard ones when he was switched onto him was really surprising. Like, I, I, there's a legit one to four switchability with Sadiq Bay. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Um, I 
am a little bit lower on it. And I'll say with like a pretty big caveat that I watched way I I feel way better about my knowledge of Neesmith. But uh, you know, he did a good job and definitely it, he's in that super switch heavy system with Villanova. Yeah. But I don't feel good about him guarding ones in the NBA. Um, especially because of his lateral quickness and just overall yeah. quickness. Like, he is not a fast, quick, or uh, high-acceleration guy in any way. He's not, and that's where a lot of his knock comes and where it feels like he has a low ceiling because of those lacks of those physical tools. But I don't know, from a lot of what I had seen and, and the reading I had done, it's just he does a really good job of staying in front of these guys and not fouling all too often and a good job of staying vertical and cutting off passing lanes, just like an extremely high IQ guy. You're right, I'm probably overselling the ones, especially when you consider the speed of some of the NBA ones. Um, but, yeah, he's a, an extremely talented on-ball defender. He's not going to have these steals and blocks to the same level of a Vassell. He's not a defensive playmaker necessarily, but an on-ball defender, he's just extremely fundamental. Yeah, fundamental is a good word. I am worried about the defense a little bit, honestly. I, I think that he's a good defender, but my concern is that he's he's kind of like a low-ceiling defender where uh, – but a high fl- – this is kind of a weird way to say it, but I'll, I'll rephrase I think that he can do – he'll be able to do a decent job defending up to four positions, definitely three in the NBA, but I don't know that he'll be great at defending any one position. Hmm, okay. Um, yeah, I, I kind of see where you're coming from there. Um, yeah, and if we're talking Sacramento specifically, like they're not switching all too often, and really you're just kind of looking for a guy that can guard threes and the same level as Barnes. Like, I think we said on a different episode that, you know, after Barnes, who else is guarding a primary three sort of thing? If you happen to be against the Clippers, Barnes takes one of Kawhi or PG, and who takes the other? And I think Bay would instantly come in and probably be the best option after Barnes. Yeah, I think he would. Um, And the size is a big part of that. Um, Definitely. He's probably about the same size as Harrison Barnes. Uh, I will quibble with this whole, like, three thing again, though, because I don't think that the thing that we're talking about here is not a three. It's a three-four. It's like a forward. It's the mm-hmm. it's a guy that on a good team is probably playing power forward. Um, and, I mean, that's arbitrary, too, but it's a guy that we think of as a four. Uh, Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, like... Or Harrison Barnes, right? Yeah, Harrison Barnes. He, he would guard Harrison Barnes... Um, pretty well, I think. Like, yeah, and, and like Harrison Barnes, we I don't even know if we think of him as a three, even though that's the role that he best works for on this team because they don't have anyone like around that size. I would say that I think that Bay is a four. I think he should be considered a four and a stretch four at that. Yeah, I see I see where you're coming from with it. I think he's also totally fine as a three. Um, and I, I don't think you're necessarily arguing against that. But, yeah, I think that, you know, him and Barnes as your three, four works totally fine. Definitely. Um, I think I, I, my argument's more with, like, the 
nomenclature and the, the definitions we're putting on it, but we're on the same level as far as what we're actually trying to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a forward, you know. Yeah, yeah, he's one of these wings that really fits what Sacramento is looking for. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I see the whole, you know, also being a forward with his slower lateral quickness, yeah. which, which I, I just – Again, like watching him play defense, he does a really good job of recovering when the guys get past him too and there's a high energy. So I don't know. I have a little bit of faith in this guy to be able to work past that. Um, And then if you talk about the shot for Sadiq Bey, it's not on the same level as Neith Smith. But as a shooter himself, I mean, he's he's no slouch. 5.6 attempts per game and 45% from three. And this is over 31 games. So you definitely got a bigger sample going on here. And it's a catch-and-shoot compared to off-the-dribble. His catch-and-shoot, 72.4 adjusted field goal percentage from Synergy. And off-the-dribble, 34.3. Um, so there's a little bit more shots that you don't love in regards to because he's taking more off-the-dribble. But when he is a catch-and-shoot guy, he's really knocking him down. Yeah, and what's interesting is he's pretty close as far as the shot to Nismith. Um as close as, like, really anyone gets in this draft class. Yeah. He's got a way better percentage and way better volume than Vassell uh, by a lot. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, that's his, like, number one asset in my mind is this guy's going to be a knockdown shooter. Don't really buy it off the dribble. I don't really buy anything off the dribble for this guy. And when you're mentioning quickness there as a four – uh, or a lack of quickness, rather, I was ready to, to really agree because I actually think that the problem for, for the quickness is on the offensive end, uh, even more so, because that's why I would call him a four. I would call him a power forward because I think offensively he does not have it to no. to get past um, any three. Yeah, and and he was asked to do that a little bit or a decent amount in college with the team that Villanova was kind of running with. And with mixed results, like I said, the off-dribble shooting was much worse than catch-and-shoot. And, yeah, I think that most of what you're getting from him is another low-usage guy on offense that is a catch-and-shoot. And it's not the same movement, off-movement, that you got from Neesmith. And I think that that is one of the main reasons he just projects as a worse shooter offensively in regards to the impact. Like, it's not that same off-ball movement. A lot of it was done with more of the ball in his hands. Uh, but as long as he's comfortable not having that usage, I think that offensively he still fits in fine as, like you're saying, a three-point threat. And while it's not as good of a shooter, I, I do think that it's a better defense that you're getting than Neesmith. Yeah, that's interesting. I I would agree mostly on the just on the strength of his size. Yeah, that's that's for the most part what it is. But I also feel like it's it's off ball defense that you're mainly seeing from Neesmith that you get impressed with, and when it's on ball for the most part with Bay. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit worried overall about the defense because. Like I said, I, I think he can do a lot. Like he can be solid against a lot of types of guys, but I don't see him being dominant defensively yeah. against any type of player. Um, and Neesmith isn't either. So 
I definitely agree that Bay is the better defender here. Uh, but the lack of quickness does scare me a little bit, and it's nice to have a switchable guy that you know can handle. You know, he can honestly, he should be okay on ones or fives. Uh, yeah, and he should definitely be good to go on twos through fours. I mean, mm-hmm. some twos in the NBA will probably cook him up as well. Uh, the better twos. But, um, yeah, definitely as far as forwards go, feel very comfortable there. I just worry that, like, the lack of athleticism and quickness is eventually going to get to him. And it could even bottom out to a place where, like, he – I don't really want to go this far, but as a on-ball defender, as, like, a one-on-one guy, I feel like he might get taken advantage of if you've got, hmm. like, a really quality forward. Interesting. Yeah, in an ISO situation, I would say, yeah. I think, like, if you're talking to pick and roll, he still does a good job fighting through screens and recovering. But, yeah, there's I see what you're saying with the lack of explosiveness laterally and vertically as well, um, that, you know, there is a chance that maybe he has some struggles in a one-on-one game. But overall, I mean, I think that he's one of the higher floor guys in the draft with Neesmith. Like, he's, I, I'm pretty confident he's going to come in and be a 3-and-D wing pretty much from the start. Definitely. Super, super high floor. And, yeah, from that Villanova program that produces just all kinds of role players in yeah. the NBA. DiVincenzo, um, Eric Paschal. Yeah, I mean, I think he's almost, like, the safest guy in this draft in a lot of ways if you were just looking for a rotation player. Right. Yeah, I saw something uh, the Warriors are in love with him um, and, and with the idea of like trading down or whatever. And yeah, something like that. You know, obviously they're very switch heavy and a guy that you just know is going to contribute. Right. Yeah, like, I mean, if I had to bet my life on a player becoming a like a long, long career rotation guy... Uh, I might do Sadiq Bey. Um, but, yeah, then if the bet is, you know, find the best player in this draft, I'm just immediately breezing past his name because I think his ceiling yeah. is pretty, pretty low. There's probably 30 guys that you could take, roughly, you know, 20, 30 guys that you could take over Bay in regards to the highest ceiling. I agree. And this is, you know, you brought it up with Maxi. I think this is a – this is a – a bench guy. Hmm. I, I think that he could be like your fifth best starter, but hmm, like for Sacramento, I think he could come on and start if they were willing to move Barnes to the four. If they're not, and it's like a Bagley Holmes four or five, um, then that's fine. But yeah, he's probably somewhere between, I mean, I don't know, fifth to seventh guy on a team for most of his career. Yeah, maybe. Um, I guess there's enough teams in the league like the Kings that just need someone there. I, mm, yeah, I, I don't know. I, in, in the same vein of Tyrese Maxey, where, like, there's enough teams that could, you know, the worst teams as far as just needing – teams that have a need at guard will find room for him in the starting lineup, but – Yeah. He's not a starter on a championship team. No, no, I don't think so. Um, I think that he's more of like your third forward in, a, in an ideal scenario. Yeah. Um, and obviously not everyone's going to have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, but like 
he's a great third guy uh, to come off the bench and, and spell those types of guys. Uh, yeah, and even with the Kings, like, I don't know that he gives you enough to be a starter. Hmm. I would almost rather have him on the bench just to replicate everything that Barnes does when Barnes is out. That's not bad. I mean, you need a glue guy in every lineup, and I feel like he's kind of what he is in a way. Just doing, I mean, being able to space the floor and then filling in with some on-ball defense. Yeah, I could see him working really well as a starting four in the scenario that you've got like a superstar center um, that doesn't have a shot, and you just need to, like, have anyone with a jump shot at the four, and, like, anyone's switchable with a jump shot. And I, I think that kind of works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely don't mind his fit on Sacramento, either of these guys, really. Um, and do you want to get into kind of comparing the two of them here? Guys, looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. All you got to do is pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-CHU.com, promo code BLUEWIRE to get your first order free. I think we agree that Bay is probably the higher floor and Neesmith's the higher ceiling, but who do you have as the better prospect? I have Neesmith because I, I think the elite level shooting is more valuable and he just has a potential to be a passable wing defender and even maybe a little better than that with this wingspan going on and, and the level of shooter that he is with coming off movement more so than Bay, I, I do take him over Bay here. Even though it, it's pretty slim, uh, I lean Neesmith over Bay. Yeah, I think it's the same argument as kind of who's the better player between Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes. And then, like, that seems like a close argument to me. But then you slap on, like, an extra, I don't know, four or five inches of wingspan yeah, uh, for, for Neesmith over Heald, and that is the tiebreaker. Yeah, I think he's just got a higher, higher ceiling, so I would take him higher. Yeah, and then you have all of these guys behind the other wings that we've talked about before this. So a Vassell, a Coro, uh, Avidia? I do. I think that we probably didn't give enough credit or concern to the stress uh, injury in Nismith's foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, understandably, because we're not doctors and that stuff is really hard to predict anyway. The rate of recur- recurrence, all that stuff. But that's a concern to me. It's a pretty 
you know, not one where I'm going to take him off my board, not one where I'm even going to knock him down much, but just one where I'm going to keep him out of that top tier of guys. Yeah. Yeah, and teams are definitely going to need to see the medical record on that for sure. Um, and like we said, uh, both of these guys don't have the ceilings of most of the previous guys that we, we've covered. Right. And then as far as, like, specifically with the Kings, I know you love the size of Bay, and I, I do too. We've been talking a long time. They need a second Harrison Barnes. For the Kings specifically, are you still taking Neesmith? I am. Um, it, it's, it's close because – yeah, I mean, I just know that Bay is going to be a good slash passable defender, and I'm not sure with that with Neesmith. Like, if Neesmith became a poor defender that's falling asleep fairly often and a knockdown shooter, I mean, it's it's sort of difficult. Like, it's the exact same situation you have with Buddy and Belly, you know? And I don't want every single one of the shooters on the team to be a poor defender. So I have that worry with Neesmith. But if he becomes passable on there, or even, like I said, a little good there, it's just I, – I, that has me leaning over Bay because I think that I'm, I'm buying the 6'10 wingspan for the most part. Yeah, I think this could go either way, and I totally get it if you prefer Sadiq Bay. Um, it's close. It's really close. The size is really attractive. I ultimately have real concerns about Bay's athleticism and quickness, so mm-hmm. yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'll have Bay lower. I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I believe he can be a rotation player. Like I said, I would put my life on the line to support that, but uh, I think that there's also a chance that he's like just forever a low rotation player. Yeah. And, I mean, part of the reason that Neesmith's a bit more attractive is that I think he's more of just moving off the ball and he's going to kind of stick to that. And there were times where Bay maybe over-dribbled a little bit and were in roles where you wouldn't want to see necessarily in Sacramento. So, yeah, that that makes me lean Neesmith a little bit more as well. But, yeah, I mean, I think both of us are going to do a little more digging on these guys and maybe we come back next episode with a different idea in order between them. But right now I'm going Neesmith over Bay. I agree and definitely agree about the uh, the more researched, especially as far as Bay. I feel good about Neesmith. Bay, yep, still, still got questions. Still got questions. Yeah, definitely. Um, Is there anything else you want to – get into here, man. I don't know if there's any updating on the boards since I would assume these guys are just after the other consensus 12, right? Yeah, not much. I mean, as far as the King-centric board, though, would you take Bay over... I mean, would you take either of them over... You know, we, you and I have established a solid six that we'd like for the Kings in terms of fit as well. So mm-hmm. Edwards, Okongwu, Vassell, Okoro... Avia and Wiseman, would you take Obi Toppin over either of these guys? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean the the offense of Toppin and that feeling there. If he does become a passable defender, I think, yeah. I mean, you just have more more upside, and especially, yeah. I, I think that I'm definitely taking Toppin over, even with the concerns with Bagley. I think you kind of have to. And how about Halberton? Yeah, I mean, 
I just don't know how much I buy him being a three. Like, yeah, I, it's, you still have to because of this upside again. Halliburton's been weird for me, and I fluctuate a lot with him day to day in regards to fit for the Kings. Um, but, yeah, no, I, th- I still think you have to take him over these guys for his playmaking that he's got going on. Even with the funky-looking shot, it's going down. Um, yeah, I think you got to take Halliburton for that size and versatility and, again, a higher ceiling. All right, all those guys are off the board. Do you take Bay, Neesmith, or Tyrese Maxey? This is where I'm taking Bay or Neesmith because it's just an instant fit. I mean, your franchise player's a point guard. And while Maxey can kind of play too, you still have Buddy and Bogey sitting there. Um, I don't think that Maxey has a ridiculous upside or anything himself, um, even if it is clearly higher than Bay or Neesmith. I, I, at that point, I'm taking fit. I I love it. I love it. I think that's a great take, and I'm with you. All right. What do you know? There we go. Um, do you have an idea who you want to get into next? we got to hit Poku at some point. Oh, God. I, I know. don't really want to do that. There's also, uh, like, yeah, I, we're going to have to – we're going to have to figure this out. Maybe we do it on our own time. Like Akira Lewis has been climbing a lot. Uh, Precious Achua. Maybe we'll put out a poll. Uh, we can put out a poll. Um, yeah, let's put out a poll. But I'll say a couple of names I would like on that poll. Uh, RJ Hampton is a guy I think we need to get to eventually because he could legitimately end up in the lottery. Mm-hmm. And uh, Patrick Williams is another name that, you know, oh. very similar size to Sadiq Bey. Mm-hmm. and uh, I've seen him up there as well. I mean, I, I think he's pretty much got the same sort of stock as as Bay, right in that range. Yeah, and then at some point we'll get to some sleepers, because I've seen, like, a Paul Reed from DePaul. I've seen a Jay, or a Ryan West has obviously really pushed a Jalen Smith from Maryland. Josh Green is a 3-and-D guy from Arizona. So there'd definitely be some interesting ones to get to. But, yeah, I agree with you. I think that Patrick Williams would be interesting. And then R.J. Hampton and, um, and Kira Lewis Jr. probably fit in the same uh, episode there as two guards that maybe aren't a great fit but could potentially be lottery guys. Yeah, I like that. But, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely put that tweet out here uh, probably right after we finish recording this episode. But, yeah, I think that's uh, that's it, man. You got anything else? That's it. All right. Well, thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of the King's Polls Podcast. Definitely go vote on that poll for who you'd like us to talk about next, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.